Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. And thank you for joining us on this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. I'm your host, Rebecca Cressman. I'm really delighted to have in the studio today a life flight nurse. I'm just think I'm so excited about this. Andrea Clement, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. Uh, before we started the interview, I described it. It's like these secret heroes that fly above. And, and it is a risky job, and you're doing it to save lives. So we're going to talk a little bit about how you became a live flight nurse, why it's important to you, this type of career. And then we're going to transition into how there is an exhibit at the Discovery Gateway Children's Museum based all around the life flight helicopter. So this is going to be fantastic with Intermountain. So, Andrea, before we get started to that, tell us a little bit, the trajectory. How did you end up in the sky on a helicopter? <laughs> Well, originally when I decided to go to nursing school, I wanted to teach labor and delivery classes. And once I got into nursing and had the opportunity to do a capstone or a preceptorship in the newborn ICU, I said, this is for me. And so I started at Primary Children's Hospital 30 years ago. And you won't know that because my hairdresser does a great job with the gray hairs. <laughs> she saw the look in my face. Wait a minute. <laughs> or how about saying uh, spending time with children will keep you young? Too. Absolutely. They do keep you young. And once I got into the unit and saw those nurses that wore that red vest and those blue pants, I decided that's what I want to do. I want to be passionate about child care and be able to be effective in the healthcare system. And so I proceeded to apply. And once I was hired, went through an orientation process, and I've been flying for the last 18 years. Wow, that is fantastic. So anyone who has walked the floor mm -hmm. of a pediatric unit or a neonatal unit knows that we have children that are in trauma, they're in serious health. It's a very emotional experience to be around those precious little lives. So to be working in those units day to day for the years that you were already showed this ability for you to manage stress and to be compassionate, empathetic. Once you step onto a life flight helicopter, there's a whole level, an, an additional level of urgency. And, and did you feel that difference as you walked off the floor and got onto the helicopter? Absolutely. It's quite interesting because we come from Primary Children's Hospital. We are the only critical care pediatric transport team among the Wasatch Front. So we bring definitive care from primaries to the patient's bedside. And not all our patients are trauma patients, of course. We um, specialize in newborn patients, so patients that are premature. For example, my last patient that I picked up in Montana um, actually only weighed 600 grams. Oh, my goodness, like so, 22 weeks, like um, a little? Very good. Okay, 24 so weeks. 24 weeks. Mm -hmm. Right. And so the call comes in. We've mm -hmm. got a child who is very, very premature. And we know that at Primary Children's uh, Hospital, Primary, Primary Children's Medical Center, mm -hmm. that there is the care required for those little teeny bodies. So you get the call and you fly out to Montana. Right. And with our system, we actually have um, five helicopters and three fixed wing or airplanes that we use. And we now have a jet so that we can get there actually a little faster. Wow. So once that call comes in, we grab our equipment, we get loaded up. And going to Montana, of course, we use the airplane. We get there. Um, our What we do is we get the patient stabilized as much as we can for that flight back 
two primary children's. And we are very lucky because we can actually bring one to two parents back on the airplane. And in most cases, we are able to bring a parent back on the helicopter. And that helps with the overall peace of mind for the parent and for the well-being of the child, too, Abs- right? Absolutely, because it's so f- scary for children. And then to, for them to know that their mom or dad is there makes a huge difference. So you cover the Intermountain West, mm-hmm. although a lot of your flights are right here in the state of Utah. Right. So, mm-hmm. right. so we will travel to Idaho, uh, Montana, Wyoming, a little bit of Arizona, um, quite a bit of Nevada. And time is of the essence. Is that why when we're calling in the critical care team to fly out, that's when time is of the essence? Correct. And we need to get that immediate care to them as quickly as possible. For those who just joined us, this is Andrea Clement. She is a life flight nurse with Intermountain Healthcare and has been serving for many, many years with neonatal and pediatric transport, which is fantastic. So I got to say, I think this is wonderful. Years ago, uh, let's say back uh, 11 years ago or so, um, you donated or Intermountain Healthcare donated a life flight helicopter, a physical life flight helicopter to an exhibit called Saving Lives from the Sky. So tell me about that. How do you get a helicopter into a museum, by the way? <laughs> Interestingly, yeah. um, we, this was a great partnership that we had between Intermountain and Discovery Gateway. And to be able to donate that helicopter, they had to use a crane to lift it. And the person that actually did that crane, used the crane to mm-hmm. lift the helicopter, I had transported their grandson. And so just to bring back a small world and that connection was amazing, an amazing experience. And he had tears in his eyes. I had tears in my eyes to know that we had that connection and an opportunity to make this museum where it represents Intermountain Life Flight, but it gives kids the opportunity to do hands-on and see what the helicopter is about and not be afraid of it. We went ahead and um, put on a second edition, which was the primary children's hospital portion. And with that portion, we actually take the patient out of the helicopter into the hospital. And in the hospital, they're able to do x-rays, surgery, and they get to see what it's like when you have to go to the hospital and hopefully not be so afraid. Yeah, because it's a strange experience for them. People they don't know, very close to their body. They know that they're stressed. I mean, the kids are picking up all of these clues. So it is a wonderful gift. So you mentioned that the helicopter started in 2006. The next exhibit opened up a few years ago with the primary children's um, hospital emergency. It's an emergency room or a care center. And it's so fun to see. And I, I mean, I love the Discovery Gateway Museum because it is hands-on. It's exploratory, which allows children within their own comfort zone to roll up their sleeves and start digging, right? And really experience it. Over and over, I can remember what it was like when my kids would step inside the helicopter or when they'd step inside um, a fire truck. If they step inside, it becomes for a minute very real, Mm -hmm. very tangible for them. And of course, they like to flip the buttons and, (laughs) and become the pilot as well, too. But the larger message is for the children to become familiar and educated as well. Correct. About that emergency health care. And not just the children. I think it's a great education tool for adults, too, because they get to see what we do as a transport team. And, of course, we transport adults as part of Intermountain Life Flight, as well as children. We transport OB patients. And so it's a system that benefits all of the community. So I, that's new for me. So somebody is in labor and delivery and might be in crisis, they may need to be life flighted. Absolutely. Wow, so many different situations. So the third phase of Intermountain Saving Lives opened up just a couple of months ago. What is the third phase offering the children or the adults, anyone who's coming to the <laughs> Discovery Gateway Children's Museum? So this is the actual hoist hanger. And what it um, emphasizes is it shows our ability to hoist patients. 
Now, we were the first civilian um, air medical system in the United States and the only system currently that is able to hoist um, medically injured patients. Okay, so I I don't know a lot about heavy equipment, but Mm -hmm. the word hoist sounds to me like I'm going to lift something (laughs) from far away. So describe what the hoist is and in what situations we'd use it or you would use it. So we actually have a specialized hoist team of nurses and paramedics and pilots that do that um, specific procedure. And it's used a lot for backcountry or if EMS can't get to the patient. For example, people that have been hiking and they may fall down into an area that is just impossible for people to get there to help them, we use the hoist. And what that is, is we bring in our specialized helicopter and the hoist has a cable on it that we can lower to 150 feet. And so they'll bring the helicopter in, the paramedic is actually attached to the cable, and the nurse will lower them down to the patient. He does some stabilization. He'll put them in a specialized backboard, um, per se. Kind of like a light stretcher, Mm -hmm. right? Providing some support. Mm -hmm. And then they will go ahead and, and lift them up enough that they can go land safely and then put the patient into the helicopter itself at that point. Wow. And so this is the only one in the country? Mm-hmm. That is a um, civil or civilian. Civilian. Based. Yeah. So tell me, what kind of training does a paramedic need to have to be able to climb down a 150-foot cable in the air? <laughs> I mean, that's that's pretty tremendous. You know, definitely they cannot have a fear of heights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and our paramedics are amazing. They are um, so used to uh, scene work. For example, they're firefighters. And so they're used to being on the big ladders, fighting fires. And once they are on that hook, I think they just get into that mode of, I'm going to help somebody, put my fears away, be observant of safety, of course, because safety is the um, foremost important thing that we want to always have. And once they get down there to the patient, they have that opportunity to comfort the patient, let them know what's going to happen, and just continue the process of this. So then up above in the helicopter, there's the life flight team there ready for when that patient is brought up. Yeah, so the adult nurse mm-hmm. and the pilot are still in the helicopter. And then once they lift the patient up using the cable, they'll go over to a ground, a predetermined landing zone site, where at that point the patient will be put into the helicopter with the nurse and the paramedic to give the treatment. It seems like, especially we're in the summertime right now, and I know that we've had record hospitalizations um, we're seeing all across the hospitals for not just accidents, illnesses. We're really seeing a lot of people coming in through the doors. Mm-hmm. I'm also hearing over and over again about people being injured or lost in back countries. Right. And that's the reality. We have wilderness all around us. We love the outdoors. People live in Utah because of that. But it does... To me, it's it's always emotional when the story rolls out. It's not just that I'm thinking of that person who's in fear or their family members in fear. For me, to step back and see what people do, what a community will do to save one soul. Mm-hmm. So you have strangers flying in, risking themselves, the hoist coming down. You have, you know, people who have been looking for them, search and rescue teams. I mean, that's the value of a life is that we do everything we can to to save and rescue so how do you do a big 150-foot hoist exhibit at the Discovery Gateway Children's Museum? Well, if you don't mind, I just want to back you up bet. for a second. Yeah. Um, and you brought the point exactly that there are a lot of people on the ground. 
that are helping us. And we work very closely with Search and Rescue. And these guys are volunteering their time to be there to help find patients and to make the area safe so that we can do our part of um, the rescue mission. And so, you know, we have to give a shout out to them. Absolutely. And we, and, and they go out weekend after mm-hmm. weekend, two in the morning, four. It's not your daytime hours always right. that these volunteers are, are doing. It's just, again, another sample of just how beautiful humanity can be. Uh, if we look at all of it, right? Exactly. You know, don't get lost in the news details that show the negative. There's really an awful lot of, of uh, self-sacrifice out there. Mm-hmm. So, yes, thank you, Search and Rescue. Exactly. So if I brought my little boys to the Discovery Gateway Museum, would they be able to repel a 150-foot cable? Because they'd be there in a second. <laughs> you know, I think I have adults that would be happy to do that, too. <laughs> it would be, too, as long as they had something soft below. Exactly. <laughs> Due to safety, we are not able to hoist, but we um, have a, a simulated area where you actually put the patient, they're in the um, stretcher area mm-hmm. already, you clip them into place, and then you stand next to them, and on the floor is actual video of doing a hoist, and so you get to experience that as if you were being um, raised up with the wow. hoist cable and watching the ground, and hopefully you don't get air sick. <laughs> But, you know, children, it's, what's been wonderful, too, is they do recognize our first responders as heroes. And to have an opportunity to explore a bit more about the role of these heroes in their lives has got to be a huge draw for the Discovery Gateway Museum. Just like, I get to go do this. I get to go see for a minute. I can pretend right. to be a hero. Right. And what's nice with the whole museum exhibit They get to see from the start of a transport where in dispatch center, they actually get the call. So they're actually sitting like at a dispatch desk and pretending to be a dispatcher. Uh And there's a working intercom that they'll go ahead and notify the team that there's a flight. Um, Then you'll watch. Usually you would watch a team get onto the helicopter, but then the kids can get onto the helicopter. They actually can start the motor sound of the helicopter, which actually makes my heart beat a little does faster. Does it sound just like the real helicopters? Oh, it does. Fantastic. So, so awesome. when you're there, you're thinking, okay, game on. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and the adrenaline rushes. Mm-hmm. And then they get to pretend that they're flying the helicopter. And then if they want to pretend that it's a hoist, they can go over to the hangar and do that exhibit. And then they get to participate in taking the patient off the helicopter into the hospital area of Primary Children's Hospital. Can we talk a little bit about that? Because Absolutely. most of us, unless we've gone through that situation, are, are not quite sure how that worked. And I, I was at broadcasting at Primary Children's uh, Medical Center not too long ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, right then there was, you know, a life flight helicopter coming in and everything kind of stopped for just a bit. So walk us through what those children are being able to experience once the simulated life flight helicopter has landed at the exhibit. So once they are brought in, um, they're put on the emergency stretcher, of course. And one thing that people don't realize, when we bring in a trauma, we actually have to call in a full pediatric trauma team. And so these poor little children, when they get in there, they're surrounded by a lot of people. New faces, strangers that, like you had said, are having to do this job of poking and prodding and and checking them. And so they kind of get a feel for that. But then there's a lot of times that they'll have to get a CAT scan or an X-ray. And so at the museum, they actually get to do that with their patient. Do an X-ray, do a CAT scan, do surgery. So they experience that. So they can see it from the other side first and have a better understanding of why we do that and what's going to happen. Oh, wow. To me, that would bring the stress level down so much more for a child. And that's one of the things I've had so much respect for primary children's over the years is because when I would have a child there or a friend, they come through 
And they walk through and they say, you know what's going to happen tomorrow with your surgery? And they might have a doll there mm-hmm. and say, you know, we're going to do this and that. And that just helps that child un- have a better understanding. It was just about a year ago that I went and visited one of our listeners, uh, little girls who was getting ready to have a pretty big surgery. She actually had the doll with her. Mm-hmm. And she said, can I show you what they're going to do? <laughs> and she explained it. And her mom had said, talked about how... That helped her feel a sense of control or a sense of being a part of this and understanding and how that truly took some of the mystery out. So what a wonderful idea this exhibit is Mm -hmm. on all levels, even for a child that's never even had an x-ray outside (laughs) of uh, an urgent event like this to to have a greater understanding. So is there like a CAT scan table? It's Mm -hmm. pretend. Okay. okay. And I'm closing my eyes. I'm uh, right there. <laughs> yeah. And so the kids are exposed to what a CAT scan is and what that equipment looks like. So it's not so scary if yeah. they have to have one done. Is a CAT scan just like the MRI where it's almost like a tube where you have to slide in and don't move? Because mm-hmm. that's hard for grownups too. Very similar. Yeah. Okay. So much for them to explore and learn. Um, have you had children that had to be life flighted or in any urgent care, Andrea? I have been very fortunate. Um but I have many friends that have had to be life flighted, and I've made lots of new friends through my job. Many times, um, if I transport a baby, we like to follow up with the family and see how they're doing, or they'll maintain contact with us. And then sometimes when it's heart surgeries, we actually get to see them go through each stages through their life of these um, surgeries and still maintain that contact. Wow. So you might see them being transferred from one hospital, then over to another unit mm-hmm. and be the same uh, team that's there. Yeah. <laughs> How many teams are there that are pediatric? Is it just one? We have, we are the only pediatric specialized okay. team in the state of Utah, but we do consist of three pediatric teams in the Valley. We have two in the Salt Lake Valley and one um, in Provo. All right. So we constantly have that availability for pediatric patients. So would, would pediatric always be 18 and under? It's zero to 18. Uh-huh. Okay. So there are teenagers. What type of medical treatment are you able to provide on board the Life Flight helicopter? Well, we like to say that we basically can do what doctors do because we bring that definitive care from primary children's. So for example, if you're having a hard time breathing and I'm having to support that, I can intubate you, which means I put that breathing tube down your throat into your lungs and I put you on a ventilator and do that breathing so that you don't have to do it. Um, we can put in chest tubes. If you have, you've probably heard where an, uh, your lung collapses, mm-hmm. we can do that intervention so that your lung can re-expand and help your breathing. Um, we do special IVs that we put through the belly button. Um, we call them umbilical arteries. Okay, that's the first time I've oh. ever heard of that. <laughs> yeah, so for our newborns, mm-hmm. um, we place big lines, basically, yeah. through their belly button, both into their artery and their veins. And that way we can monitor blood pressure as well as we can do lab draws without having to poke their little feet all sure, the time. Sure, So Wow. And you have to have a real depth of knowledge and experience to be treating every everyone from a 22-week or 24-week-old mm-hmm. premature baby to a 17-year-old teen. Exactly. And so we have, in order to maintain that competency, of course, we have um, skills that we have to be able to do, as well as we have yearly skills lab, um, vent lab. We also do survival training, both winter and summer survival training, so that we're just on the top of our game at all times. That means that you and your team would actually go into the winter or the the elements and train in, in the event that you would have to land that helicopter in the middle of the winter and know how to hand, how to um 
be safe and stable in icy conditions. Exactly. And when we do have that winter training, we have to wear our lifelike gear. We can't put on fancy stuff that we would normally wear backcountry. Right. And because so, you have to have the flexibility to reach and do whatever you need to do. Exactly. Warm socks, I'm guessing. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And so having the opportunity to make a fire, make a snow cave, be able to signal, having that experience so it's like muscle memory in case we do have a hard landing, mm-hmm. like what we like to say. Trained for hard landings mm-hmm. when it needs to happen or when it does happen due to elements or, or whatever mm-hmm. the issues are. That way we're better prepared to take care of ourselves and our patient. When you're also on board the life, I'm asking you all the questions that as I've seen you fly in the sky, I've always wanted to know, are you in constant communication with any emergency room physicians or specialists who are at the hospital as well? Are you trained to handle it all to the best of your abilities right on the helicopter and then you hand it over, hand the baby or child over? You know, that's a really great question. Before we leave the hospital or the scene, like I-15 or in a football field, we do call our medical control, update them on what what interventions we've done, what our situation is. Um, In route, usually we're just on our own, but we do have the capability to use a satellite phone if we need to to um, contact our medical control. But again, it all comes back to that training that we consistently do in day in and day out. I love how casually, for those who've just joined us, this is Andrea Clement. She is a life flight nurse. We've been talking about Intermountain Saving Lives, an exhibit that is opened at the Discovery Gateway Children's Museum. And you've had a, a t- chance for years, about 11 years now, to explore a life flight helicopter that was donated by Intermountain Healthcare. But that exhibit keeps adding and growing. You so casually, Andrea, said, you know, when you're landing on I-15 or in the Rice-Eccles Dave. Can you give us an idea of just the different interesting places you have landed a life flight helicopter with your team? Either you, the pilot, and you've been on board. Oh, wow. (laughs) She's like, where do I begin? (laughs) Exactly. Um, Some of the backcountry scene flights we've been on can be a little tricky and interesting places. Because the Rocky Mountains are not flat, are they? Exactly. And especially doing night landings, we do use night vision goggles so that we have a better um, approach and view. And a third dimension, kind of a 3D vision with the night vision? It's really great because Mm -hmm. it um, uses uh, moonlight actually to light up the area. And so it becomes so bright, it's almost like sunlight. And we can see people. And if for some reason they're in the backcountry and we're not able to find them, if they just flash their um, cell phone up towards our helicopter, we're able to see that with our night vision goggles. And we'll go, oh, there they are. Wow. Okay, so you've landed in the backcountry. You've mm-hmm. landed on the freeway. Mm-hmm. You've landed in stadiums. At football fields at high schools. Football, football <laughs> fields at high schools. Mm-hmm. Residential areas. Yes. All across the state, all across the Intermountain West. Yes, we've list- we've actually landed in cornfields. <laughs> Not know, in a maze, though. But I, you never know where your patient's going to be. So Right, right. Thank you so much on behalf of all of us who do uh, recognize uh, the dangers that you face, the risks that you take, the commitment you have to save lives. Oh, it makes me a bit emotional, so I'll step back for just a minute. But it really is. It's a wonderful way for us to have a greater understanding of what our first responders uh, do for us, what our medical uh, care teams um, are willing to do to help save life after life. If you haven't had a chance to bring your children or bring yourself, an adult, to the Discovery Gateway Children's Museum, this is the time to do it because you said the exhibit just opened a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. Wow. And the hoist is the brand new part. Andrea Clement, thank you so much for joining us on this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. By, before I let you go, how often do you fly with your team? Well, we do three 12-hour shifts a week, and some shifts we will fly four to five missions a shift, and other 
days, we have quiet days, and we don't mind quiet days. <laughs> quiet days are okay. Yeah. Is there a way for us to visually recognize the helicopter that you'll be flying in, by the way? Well, I like to say it's the best looking one, but it is. <laughs> it, it's the Augusta, and so it's the red and white helicopter. The red and white helicopter. We'll look for it in the sky, and we'll have an up close and personal experience with a Life Flight helicopter at Discovery Gateway Children's Museum. Thank you. Thank you to Intermountain Healthcare for providing us this opportunity. And Andrea, thank you for joining us on this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. Thank you.